Olas Media. Olas Media presents Cannabis Enlightened. Now here's your host, Dr. Leroy Brady. Hello again, everybody. This is Dr. Leroy coming to you from Cannabis Enlightened. Cannabis Enlightened. And today we have a very special guest, a gentleman I met at um, one of the conferences here in San Diego. And what was intriguing about his business is that he is working with uh, drinks, cannabis drinks. And, you know, most of us are used to seeing maybe the, the smokes or the oils or the, the edibles, the candies. Uh, not a lot of focus maybe on the drink. So I thought it would be outstanding to get uh, Doug in and have him talk to us about, you know, his business, how he got in the business, uh, what he sees in the business, and just kind of pick his mind. And here's some, uh, maybe some stories that he has to share with us about uh, getting into the uh, cannabis business. So Doug, I'm going to ask you to talk to the folks and let them know who you are and what you're all about. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on, Dr. Leroy. It's, uh, it was really nice to make your acquaintance down there at the Emerald Conference. And uh, yeah, any opportunity to talk about Painted Rooster and Sun Gaze and what we do out here is uh, is great. So yeah, um, you know, what do you want to know so about where, <laughs> what we do? Uh, well, <laughs> let's start off. Where are you now? Where are you so we're actually based in uh, in central Washington. We're in the Central Valley. So the city we're in is called Moxie. Uh, we're a, a small, you know, one of the many suburbs of a city called Yakima. So uh, right in the middle of what we call the Inland Empire, we do, you know, uh, in this particular part of the, of the state, we do a lot of hop, hops cultivation, apples, cherries, uh, tree fruits, etc. Um, you know, Washington's also one of the largest producers of, you know, soft wheat varieties. Uh, we have phenomenal farmland up here. Some of the best farmers in the world uh, are right here in the Central Valley. And okay. uh, yeah, right. we're about about two hours from Seattle. So, you know, uh, if I don't say it at the end um, of our episode, of our discussion, I'm going to say it right now. I um, am going to come up and visit you well, before this year is over, because I want to see what you do and, um, you know, all the fantastic products that you have. I want to, I want to see them from the, the, the person that has produced them. So uh, t- tell, me, tell me about how did you get into the business? You know, it was, uh, it was kind of, uh, kind of fell into it. Um, you know, me and my friends back when we were, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, did a little experimenting, right. Um, may have gotten a seed once and sprouted it up and thrown it out in the, in the woods and somebody came and stole it from us. But that was our first attempt, right. At, uh, being cultivators. And then, uh, I actually just kind of went a different direction in life. Um, ended up doing a lot of work in, uh, in emergency services, you know, mostly community services, uh, spent a number of years volunteering for a local police department, actually a Seattle police department, domestic violence unit, and then uh, moved into emergency medical services with Eastside Fire and Rescue. Um, and those were all volunteer positions, but I was just trying to feel out, you know, how I wanted to serve people, you know, how I wanted to benefit humanity. And uh, it turned out that that wasn't, uh, wasn't exactly for me. Um, I really enjoyed the work. I really enjoyed the challenge, but uh, I got a little bit more interested in uh, in cannabis specifically when uh, my mom actually got sick with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, when my mom got breast cancer, I was like, "What are what are the things we can do?" And the medical uh, space was already open in Washington State at that point. Uh, so 
I went out and got a medical card. You know, I've, uh, I had a few motorcycle wrecks back in the day. I have my own, you know, my own pain issues that, uh, you know, usually just bother me, but with the use of cannabis, it just doesn't bother me as much. You know, I'm not in, uh, not in terrible pain all the time, but you know, my ankle hurts. You work in the field all day. It's nice to be able to smoke a little weed and, <laughs> and chill out a little bit. So, um, when my mom got sick, I, that was, uh, you know, 2010, I got my medical card and started, uh, started cultivating, you know, uh, put up a false wall in the back of a garage. And, uh, you know, luckily my, uh, girlfriend at the time, now my wife, uh, was cool with all that. Um, cause, uh, and I had a really great guy named, uh, named Matt Webb, who, uh, taught me the ropes, you know, showed me how to grow in, in his medical space and, uh, just kind of went through it. And while I was learning about cannabis and learning about my mom's condition, uh, I had also gone back to college. So I, uh, started at W college, went to community college, you know, needed to get some credits up, needed to get my grades up from high school and uh, <laughs> did that, uh, did that, you know, got good grades, uh, and then transferred over to the university of Washington and I studied cellular and molecular biology. Um, so I have a bachelor of science in that and, uh, did a lot of work in, you know, anaerobic microbiology and evolution and things of that nature. Cause we really didn't have a way to get, you know, I, no one was giving funding for cannabis research. Right. right. Um, so, so you, 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 I, I previously, I thought you were the guy that took the cannabis from, you know, from the cultivator and, you know, maybe in the processing, you know, manufacturing aspect of it made the drinks but but i'm i'm being you know educated now you started <laughs> off growing yeah i started oh, in the growth space and uh yeah you know a lot of those student loans got paid with uh the federal <laughs> campus which was super helpful um you know uw's not cheap so um yeah i started in uh started in cultivation and then once i came out of uw uh, i got my first uh, official job in the i-502 which is the washington state you know legal market I took my first position in 2014 when it went legal. Um, you know, I'd actually done a lot of work in uh, nightclub security. So taking IDs at the weed shop wasn't a hard gig to get. And plus having a background in cultivation, knowing a lot about the strains, knowing a lot about the, the medicinal side of things, it was an easy transition you know, to working with customers and, and working at the retail level. And I did that while I was finishing up at UW, uh, graduated in 2015, and then took my first position on the cultivation side in 2015 um, and found that there you know, there were a lot of great cultivators already. And one thing that interested me a lot was the extract side of things. So I, you know, had already had a good amount of training in organic chemistry, but also had a good amount of training in how to make bubble hash, how to use a glass tube and a butane can to make, you know, early resins and ended up taking a position working for a CO2 processor and, uh, you know, functionalizing CO2 extract oils into vape pens you know, so, making sure that yeah, they would work, right? So tell me, um, Doug, I get a lot of questions from uh, students, uh, people talking about cultivation. Well, it, you know, it all starts, I mean, you got to have cultivation in order to get yeah. anything else, you know, it's got to come from the earth. So what's, what's your biggest takeaway? What's the thing that you learned that you felt is most important or you feel is most important from cultivation? Honestly, it's going to be plant care. Plant health is really important. You can't just run, um, you know, a lot of crops that, that, that people deal with and, you know, as an agricultural commodity, you run it out with a machine, you plant it with a machine, you run drip line, you put it in the field and you deal with these hundreds of acres. Whereas with cannabis, that works, you know, hemp is grown in large scale all over the place, but 
you know, the amount of pesticides you need to be able to keep it at a smokable level, keep atritis off, keep other bacterial contamination off, keep the bugs off. All of those things can get out of hand and, uh, you know, can create a less, a, a less promising product for the end user um, if you don't actually put the care into those plants. So the one thing that, you know, I tell people is whether you're growing inside or outside or in a greenhouse, it doesn't actually matter putting your hands on the plants, giving them the attention that they need so that they can grow the best flower is more important than what a lot of people think. You know, you don't just throw the drip line on it and walk away from it for the summer and then come back and harvest a good crop. If you want to get a high-end product, if you want to get something that's safe for people to consume, you have to put in the extra time, the extra money, and the extra hands, the extra labor to actually get that product up to the level it needs to be to be competitive in the market. People, um, you know, I, I do come from indoor cultivation and controlled environment ag more. That's uh, that's more where I've you know dealt with most of my most of my work. Right. But being outside, you know, with here at Painted Rooster and Moxie, you know, it's 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 not that much different. The light is free. It's really powerful. And if you pay attention to your plants and give them what they need, and you know, be active in that process, you can have a lot, a lot of success. Um, you know, and we're doing that yeah. here. I detect a labor of love in, in as how you have explained it. Uh, I really do love cannabis. Um, you know, when, when my mom got sick, you know, it was, it was a very self-serving endeavor, right? I, I wanted my mom to get better. And, and full disclosure, my mom never has consumed cannabis in her life still, mm. even when she got cancer. You know, she just toughed it out with chemo, mm. did her thing. She's in remission. You know, she's mm. great. She, she was a high school teacher for 30 years and uh, helped a lot of people quit smoking cigarettes in her, in her retirement career. Uh, great lady. Um, but no, she never actually used it. You know, she, she still had the, the stigma attached to it. And honestly, at the time that we were talking about it, there still wasn't that much information that was accessible to people in their 60s, right? They weren't out there, you know, mixing it up, going into the weed stores, trying to find things out all the time. Some people did, some people didn't. Did you, so your mother still has never used any kind yeah. of product? No, she never, she never has, but uh, yeah, now I know where I was going. Uh, being in the medical side of things and working largely, you know, on the more the CBD strain and cultivar side of the industry okay. at the beginning. Um, I actually got involved around 2014 with a company out of San Diego of all places. Um, they were called Canavest at the time. Um, they made the plus CBD product and I actually took an outside sales gig with them. And I got to work with a guy named Josh Hartzell. He's a PhD um, in, uh, in uh, medicinal plant science, you know, essentially. And working for that company and working exclusively in CBD for that short period of time, I got to meet a lot of people that were dealing with chronic conditions, with autoimmune conditions, you know, all the way across the spectrum from, you know, people trying to treat their children for, with autism to people with multiple sclerosis and all these other conditions. Um, I found out pretty quickly that this wasn't a joke. This wasn't snake oil. This works for people. Cannabis works for people. And having come from emergency services and having come from, you know, a space where I ultimately, you know, I feel better about myself when I'm helping other people. Um, seeing it firsthand, you know, watching people's symptoms get better when they're sitting across a table from me with cannabis products, that was it. You know, I, I, I knew that, that this is where I wanted to go. And then as I, you know, continued my education and as I, you know, continued to understand more about not just, you know, THC bearing, you know, marijuana, but also learning more about hemp, industrial hemp and those applications outside of CBD, um, and very specifically as an environmental fix 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't let go. I, I do love this plant. I do love this industry. And uh, I'm, I'm just not going anywhere. So, you know, Doug, in, in terms of dosing, here's what I've found. I don't know if it's the same with you that, you know, most people, they come into cannabis thinking whether they uh, drink or whether they take um, an oil or, or uh, edible, they tend to think it's the same as taking a pill or drinking uh, alcohol. And, yeah. you know, I, I have to try to explain to them that it's not the same. Um, I'd be curious as to how you deal with it. Well, it, when, when we're talking, you know, it's apples and oranges, you know, mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals versus alcohol versus cannabis, you know, apples, oranges, and, you know, call it cherries. They're all different. Okay. So, you know, with alcohol, you're, you're dealing with a, a CNS depressant. You're dealing with something that you're going to feel effectively after ingesting it, you know, I, within about 30, right 40 away. minutes, right. yeah, 30, 30 to 40 minutes, you're going to get the full, you know, the full amount of alcohol is now in your bloodstream that you've consumed. And if you have another drink, you're going to increase that number and your liver is going to be working to try and pull that alcohol back out of you. And it's going to absorb water and dehydrate you while that's happening. Um, And that's how you end up with hangovers and being that it's a (laughs) CNS depressant, Um, being that it's a depressant, you know, it's also going to, you know, start out making you feel better and then it's going to not. And if you drink in moderation, you're going to be fine. You know, drinking in moderation. Okay not a big deal. Pharmaceuticals taken as prescribed, generally safe, right? The FDA has gone through these processes and they want to be sure that what you're getting from your pharmacist, from your doctor is what they say it is. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting with cannabis is we're still moving towards a very defined quality assurance stance Mm -hmm. where dosage has to be what it is, right? Mm-hmm. We now lab test all of our, all of our flour. We lab test all of our oils. We lab test all of our beverages. We know what's in those products and we're able to use, you know, basic chemistry to get our beverage specifically to the place we want it to be. Mm-hmm. So with beverages, with edibles, with anything that's, that's post-processed, you know, into another form, we're able to give a very accurate dose to a person with flour marijuana, you know, Half gram should have about this many milligrams. Smoke the entire you know, half gram of that product into your lungs. You're going to feel that in about five or six minutes at the most, if not immediately. And it's you're going to know what that effect is. So cultivar to cultivar, it might change. Um, you know, Potency to potency, it might change. But the reality is that the long-term effect of cannabis compared with pharmaceuticals or with alcohol is a better outcome you're going to get a better long-term outcome using this product as you need it. You know, there is a, there's concern with a, you know, pharmaceutical addiction. There's concern with alcohol addiction. There's concern with cannabis and cannabinoid addiction. Yeah. But if I have to pick my, my uh, the lesser of, of, of three, right. The, the least dangerous of all of those cannabis is it, you know, right. cannabis is the one. Right. It's, it's just unfortunate that, um, just about on many in many cities, um, on every corner, there's a liquor store. And um, in, I mean, I could almost say the same thing for a pharmacy, um, you know, perhaps in some larger, you know, stores like a Walmart or Walgreens or so forth, there are uh, pharmacies. So where yeah, you can get your alcohol and your pills at <laughs> yes. Walmart. Right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> 
but but cannabis not so much I mean, it's it's still an uphill battle quite a bit um but yeah but it sounds like you're trying to turn the corner maybe a little bit with the the drinks because people i mean i, I don't know if that was your goal in the first place that uh, people are used to drinking something and feeling something from it um and maybe you can comment on whether or not um, a drinkable um, cannabis product has a reaction sooner than or quicker than an edible. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So um, the interesting thing about doing the cannabis beverage space, I was actually brought on um, by Painted Rooster, you know, before I took over as CEO back in September of uh, of twenty one. Before that, I was the scientific director out at a company called Exabra, uh, but that was all for my consulting company, Phytofarm. Um, they brought me in because they wanted to develop a, develop a new infused joint product, and I was running an extraction facility. So I was able to provide them with those inputs. And uh, once they got those inputs, they kind of led on to the fact that, well, we, we are really interested in developing a cannabis beverage. Can you, can you tell us how that works? And I said, yeah, of course I can. So I got brought out and... Uh, got brought out in July of last year and uh, went over to the Bale Breaker Brewery, which is just down the street from Painted Rooster. Um, some of our owners are also the owners of that brewery. Um, and they know their stuff on how to make a delicious beverage, you know, whether it's, you know, they, they, they are a farm to farm to pint brewery. Their family also owns the hops fields out here. So, you know, the hops that they are cultivating on their family land go into their family brewery and become delicious beer. Um, and they wanted to, bring that exact same energy to our product Sungaze. They wanted to have something that we can control the entire supply chain, that we can stand behind and around and in front of this product, getting it out to the customers. Um, and at first I was just like, yeah, this is, you know, this is a process, A, B, C, D. This is how you make a cannabis beverage that's going to be, have the right bioavailability. It's gonna have the right flavor. It's gonna be enjoyable to drink and, uh, when we, when we got through, um, you know, they offered me a job. They said, Hey, we'd like somebody that has, you know, some experience in cultivation, some experience in extraction, some experience in functionalizing products, uh, to run this thing. And, uh, you know, it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. Um, and, you know, being out here and, and getting to work with people that care that much about the product already before I even came on, um, that was, that was really heartening, you know, and that, that, that was an easy, an easy yes. Um, you know, my, my wife and my kids still live back in our house in Spokane. So I travel to the farm four days a week and then, you know, back to Spokane on the weekends. I'm actually going to be uh, leaving here in about an hour to get back there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible, been an incredible journey, but the beverage side of it, you know, I, I like dabs. I like vape pens. I like flour. Um, seeing how, much the technology advanced in the nano emulsification side of things and getting cannabis into liquid products um, was a really fun, you know, kind of new field for me and getting the opportunity to do that with people, that, uh, you know, out here that care about it as much as I do has uh, it's honestly just been a great ride so far. Is that, is that a difficult process? Um, I don't want you to get all technical on me, but is that a, <laughs> <laughs> because not only will you lose me, but you'll probably lose my audience too. Fair, okay. Uh, but but can you can you how do you how do you get a drink of a, a drinkable product from a flower? 
I mean, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll give you the whole workflow. Here we go. So okay. you, you get the plant and you put it in the dirt and then you feed it nutrients and give it sunlight. And then once the, once the sun isn't coming out as often, you know, when it gets down to about 12 hour light cycles every day, that plant's going to flower and it's going to produce trichomes. Those trichomes are on the outside of the plant. Harvest the plant, bring it inside, dry it down, or fresh freeze it. We do both here. Um, and then from there, you just go into the post-processing side of things. So it's going to be butane, or it's going to be ethanol, or CO2, or sometimes, you know, now people are doing microwave distillations. Essentially, you need to get all of the plant material away from all of the cannabinoids and terpenes. Once you've got to that point, you're going to use uh, a process called nanoemulsification. And essentially, that is a a high pressure workflow where you will take and you're trying to combine oil and water together. So cannabinoids are oil soluble and not water soluble, but if you can get an oil to encapsulate essentially the cannabinoids, then they can dissolve into water. So going through that process of creating the nano emulsification um, is, is done by a piece of equipment, just like the extraction side is done. And at the end of that process, you'll run it through the machine seven or eight times. Uh, it's about 30,000 PSI is the shear force that's actually making the oil go into the water. And that gets you a nano droplet or a, or a, a micro or, or a macro emulsion that you can then put into a beverage. Um, the smaller the emulsion gets, the more it's going to spread itself out in the beverage naturally. It's less likely to separate and it will stay shelf stable for longer. And uh, so that's, that's the products that we use is, you know, is very, very small uh, micron size emulsification. And then that just becomes a general additive. You can add it to edibles, you can add it to beverages, you can do whatever you'd like to do with that product. But the important thing, and, and I can't stress it enough, the important thing is that what happened in the field at the very beginning is what's going to give you the best product at the end. So if you have a beverage, Doug, that has a high um, THC, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm just going to use THC because uh, the listeners will know that right away, but I'm well aware. Of, yeah. Yeah. And I'm well aware of the fact, and, and, you know, I try to communicate to people that there's more to cannabis than THC or, or CBD. Yeah. Um, the liquid that you said, uh, previous, you know, at the beginning that you, um, I guess put the cannabis in, that mm -hmm. helps to draw out what you need, right? Yeah. How does that, does that happen by putting, pouring the liquid on top of the, the cannabis leaf in a container or is it pressurized? Yeah, so my, uh, my favorite way to extract uh, is with butane. I like using hydrocarbons. Uh, so you'll take your plant material, dry, fresh frozen, either way. Uh, you'll place that into a column, you know, a steel column usually one that's jacketed. Uh, I like to use, um, I like to use CO2 jacketed columns so that I can get really cold temperatures. And what you're doing is using the thermodynamic properties of the solvent, which is butane, propane, mm -hmm. and then the solubility of cannabinoids in that at a specific temperature, right? Mm -hmm. So when you, you soak the butane into the plant matrix, right. all of the cannabinoids that are in it are going to move from the plant biomass into the solvent. And then that solvent is filtered and we'll move over. And then in a closed loop, we'll remove the butane and propane, just again, using the thermodynamic properties. I like closed loop systems that are passive 
Uh, so I don't like to use pumps. Um, and uh, I run machines that are made out in Tacoma, Washington called Busy Bees. Um, great functional steel equipment. And at the end of that, you will, uh, you will pour out a cannabis concentrate from that machine, um, further refine it, further remove any residual solvent that was in there. Uh, that goes for any solvent type. Remove all that residual solvent and you're left with purely cannabinoids, terpenes, and then maybe some of the other, uh, the other plant byproducts. And once you have that oil, then you can move it into the next step, either direct consumption or into distillate or further into an animal emulsion, right? So it's like dissolves like is, is what we say in chemistry. How do you give it the flavor? Flavor comes with it. Now on the beverage side, the flavor that we do with Sun Gaze, and I, I don't know if this is a podcast, but I'll put the can up because it's okay. delicious. Um, but with, you know, with Sun Gaze, the flavor is actually coming from the ingredients we put into it. You know, we use lemon puree, we use natural ginger extracts. Um, you know, we use pure chicane sugar to give it a little bit of sweetness. Um, but as far as the beverage side goes, we're trying not to taste the emulsion because it's actually very bitter. Mm. So we're trying not to taste the emulsion. Now with, with a, a good dab, you know, if we're talking about a CO2 concentrate, an ethanol concentrate, um, or a butane concentrate, the flavor is all coming from the plant that you put in. So if you put in a really good product that smells nice, you're going to get out the smells and the flavors along with the cannabinoids at the same time. So the flavoring is, is native state. It's, it's what it's supposed to be based on the flower. Mm-hmm. And if you want to add artificial flavors to those, which lots of people do, um, you know, there, there are plant derived terpenes. There are, you know, other botanical inputs that you can use to create flavors in smokable products. But for the most part, you know, I think that the best products are unadulterated, pure cannabis derived. And uh, the flavor comes through really, really well on all of those things. Is it a bitter flavor or? Uh... Oh, no. I mean, the yeah, I mean, if you've ever taken a dab or you ever smoked flour, you know, those flavors that are coming through, that's the natural cannabis flavors okay. by themselves. Now, the bitter flavor comes from when we're, we add a different type of carrier oil to the cannabinoid oil. And then when those two go together, cannabinoids become soluble inside that oil. And then that's what we put through the machine to make it into the nano emulsion. So that oil in itself, that's the carrier, that generally doesn't carry any flavor at all. And, and when you drink than, it, okay, when you drink it, it, it tends to, because it's liquid and it's going into your, your body, it, it tends to get into your system quicker or the yes, same as edibles? No, a little bit faster, a lot faster. Um, so an edible that's made from like, you know, from rosin, from, from butane, from anything like that, um, you don't have the micro size of the compound. So it's not going to spread itself out. And you've got to, you know, if it's a brownie, right, or a piece of candy, you have to get past all the stuff that goes into the brownie right. to get the cannabinoids out and then get that in your bloodstream. So with a liquid edible product, you know, you don't have anything to break down. You just have all these nanoparticles of cannabinoids hitting your stomach, being absorbed in your stomach and your, you know, your, and your uh, small intestine right off the bat. And so with sun gaze, you know, I've, I've uh, done my own science on this and, uh, you know, cracked the can open just like I did in college with a knife in the side and shotgun it. And I looked at my watch and in about five or six minutes, I felt it. You know, so five or six minute onset. Yeah, wow. and it can be that fast. And there are, there are other tincture products that are very quick. Um, taking any type of edible product that's a liquid sublingually just right underneath the tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, you have 
a lot of veins, a lot of arteries running through your tongue and in your mouth, and it's really close to your brain. So your onset's going to be very, very quick with those types of products. And, uh, you know, we're really happy with the product with Sundays, with how fast it comes on. Um, but our product is a microdose product. You know, we're not looking to get you high. We're looking to chill you out. You know, we're, we're crafted for chill. We're, we're looking to get two and a half milligrams of THC delivered into your bloodstream in one okay. can. And then if you need two cans, go ahead, have two, have four of them. Because by the time you've gotten to four, that's the equivalent of one regular industry edible, which is 10 milligrams of THC. So you can drink a whole four pack of these things, you know, in an afternoon and only be at one edible the whole time. So when you talk about microdosing, mm -hmm. that's another way of saying there's uh, less THC. I mean, that there's an, an edible can have 10, 10 milligrams. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a microdose would have half of that. Um, microdosing, it's usually anything that's below five. I'd say five and below is okay. more of the microdose level. Okay. But, you know, cannabinoids are notorious for affecting people differently. differently. You know, so two and a half milligrams, uh, good example, my wife, one half of a sun gaze. So, you know, effectively, you know, 1.25 milligrams. That's enough for her to be smiling ear to ear. And <laughs> that's all she drinks. And I finish off the rest of it. Right. And then I have other friends that have been in the industry and, and choose to consume larger amounts of cannabinoids and they'll buy one of my competitors drinks that may have a hundred milligrams in an entire bottle mm -hmm. and they'll drink that whole thing down and it'll affect them about the same smiling ear to ear. You know, maybe, maybe you'll feel that body high. Maybe you'll feel more of that edible onset. Um, but with a micro dose, the idea is that you don't really need that much of a cannabinoid to feel a physiological effect. And so, with with these products, we're we're accessible. We're accessible to every kind of consumer, especially you know the cannabis curious people who don't historically consume cannabis, you know, but they might not be opposed to it. Well, Sungaze is where you come. Like we're the product that you want to come to, and that's because you're going to get a proper dosage, a uniform dosage, a consistent product every single time that you can trust. You know that you know has good inputs. You know how many calories are in it. You know what you're consuming. I give you an ingredients list. I give you nutrition facts. I give you your dosage right. and I'll even give you the lab results. So you know what that dosage is going to be. And so that, for people that are entering, that new, you know, it, that sounds like a new word you just invented. Can of curious. Can of curious. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to, can I use that? Uh... You may, and I did not invent it. And I can't tell you who <laughs> did, but, um, but Hey, you know what? If I'm the first one on a podcast to take it, you know, fine, throw a trademark under it. I'll let you use it though. <laughs> the first one that's ever said, use that term, kind of curious. That, that's interesting. Well, so it's a huge part of the market. Yeah. You know, it's a huge unrealized portion of the market because if we consider, you know, how many people are in Washington or how many people are in California or Oklahoma or any of these other states um, that, that have legal, you know, medical or recreational cannabis, you know, you think about all those different places and you think about, like, let's, let's go back to my mom, right? You got a, a mid seventies lady active, um, but she's active. She doesn't want to get couch locked. She doesn't want to be out of control. But maybe she just wants to relax a little bit. This is a product for people like that. You know, this is a product you can take to your kid's soccer game and put in a koozie and sip on. And you know what? There's still zero deaths attributed to cannabis. Right. But how many are attributed to beers? How many are attributed to, to hard liquor? How many are attributed to, you know, pharmaceutical drugs? Mm. This one's arguably much safer 
than anything else on the market. So, you know, if, uh, if somebody wants to try for the first time and they want to know what an edible is like, but they want to be able to titrate up, you know, control their dosage right. products like mine are, are the way to go. That's fantastic. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious of your opinion um, in terms of the, the drinkables, do they appeal to men or women? I mean, who has the appeal? Uh, you know, I think, I think it's actually generally somewhat universal. Okay. I think, I think that men and women both can enjoy an edible product that is, that is liquid based. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the marketing that I see in other markets that are, you know, kind of outside of Washington state, you know, all of the, you know, Washington state is this strange little cannabis Island. Uh, our laws are arguably more restrictive when it comes to investment. Our laws are more restrictive when it comes to who can own, who can operate. We aren't allowed to be vertically integrated. So I can't sell my product directly to a consumer. I have to sell my product to a retail store who will then charge the state taxes on it and take their own profit on top of that. Um, and so it's, Washington's just a little bit weird, but oh. it's my home. I'm not leaving. I love it here. Okay. Planes aren't that hard to get on. Um, but yeah, for, for this market, you know, I think that men and women just generally enjoy the same. And I think that microdose products are even more appealing to both of those because, you know, if, if you do, if you are a heavy marijuana smoker, let's, let's say you just finished, finish off smoking a joint or maybe a blunt and now your mouth, you need something to drink. I got you. Like I've got something delicious. That's going to help with the cotton mouth and, uh, okay. you know, and not add on too much, but a lot of little. What's, what's new, what's new and really dynamic or interesting in terms of a product. You know, the, the coolest thing that I think is happening right now with the cannabinoid products is, Number one, I think that microdosing and, and microdosed liquids are starting to come to the forefront. You know, I think people are starting to get more interested in the smellless, you know, very easy flavor uh, type products. And, you know, I, I think that beverages are more on the cutting edge than anything. What other products I've seen recently, you know, and it's, it's fun having, having been doing this for so long, you know, I remember the, the, the color of extracts has changed like how the appearance of extracts has changed because we've learned so much more because, you know, now instead of, you know, one guy saving up an ounce worth of trim to make a concentrate under, you know, not controlled conditions. Now we can control all those conditions and we can create these really high end products. And so um, I think between the infused joint market and the vaporizer market, you know, everything has really been coming up and getting and improving, especially over the last four or five years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those products are also very accessible, but you know, the, the other new thing that, uh, you know, I don't specialize in is, uh, what people have been doing with kind of functionalizing other cannabinoids. So there's HHC, there's CBG, CBN, mm -hmm. you know, all of these different cannabinoids that, that are, largely most are naturally occurring, but in just very small amounts, but we have this huge supply chain of CBD. Well, a little bit of organic chemistry and some quality laboratory equipment, and you can make CBD into the Delta eight. You can make CBD into Delta nine. You can make CBD or CBG into all of these other cannabinoids because they have the same functional structure. They're made by similar, you know, enzymes. So 
right. you can you can do so much more with it. So it's it's been interesting to me to see you know kind of the rise and fall of the Delta Eight um, type products. Um, you know, seeing HHC start to come up quite a bit. Um, seeing THCO acetate come out a lot. Um, THCO acetate. I've never actually consumed that, but it's interesting to me because it, uh, as I understand it, it has a a longer binding time. So it actually stays on your receptor just that little bit more and keeps that, you know, that G protein separated off for a longer period of time. So you might feel higher longer, or you might need less of it to be as high. So it, it's been interesting seeing, you know, chemists come to play and, uh, and put these products out. I'd rather grow it from a plant and, uh, and do it that way. Um, that's how I like to farm my molecules, but you know, there's, there's still a lot of valid, you know, there's still a lot of valid science being done and, um, it, it's it's honestly just really heartening and it's, it's been really positive seeing more people from hard science coming in and applying it to the cannabis space so yeah the, the, yeah kind of a roundabout way to talk about your question but no 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 it's it's fascinating fascinating to hear you talk about it now the 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 drink that okay. you produce um the products that you're producing they're only available in Washington. That's right. Yeah. Um, every, you know, every state we can, uh, if we produce it in that state, it's not supposed to leave. That's, yeah, federally uh, they can't because it's still schedule one. It can't cross the yeah. border. Okay. Yes. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, but you have a market like California where, you know, you have so many millions of people, um, right. you have a large, well-established market, um, both from the black market, medical space for the last, what, 20 years, medical has been in California, um, now moving into, you know, their, what is it, Prop 60? I can't remember what yeah. the law is in California. But now we're starting to see, you know, more more forward retailers, more more, more forward products coming out into the recreational space and all and everywhere. Um, you know, with Sungaze, we're ready at pretty much any time to, uh, to bring this product to another market. Um, we're just going to kind of wait so and see. Your product goes to a retailer because you, you're not a retailer, right? Correct. We are a, we are what's called a producer processor. Right. So if folks, um, and you need to collect some uh, money from the uh, Washington uh, Tourism uh, Bureau, because I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about if people come to Washington, where can they find your product? Yeah, we are, uh, we are in... Right now, we uh, launched the product recently, and the adoption is is pretty slow, especially with a product that's as unique as SunGaze. Um, you know, we're the first truly microdose beverage product to ever be released in the market. We're also the first um, cannabis beverage to be released in a can. Um, so it's uh, it's basically getting in front of the buyers, getting that product into the retail store so that people can purchase it. But we're in, you know, thirty stores so far. We're picking up more every single week. Um, but you can, you know, it depends on where you go in the state, but if you're in Spokane, you'll be well represented. If you come here to Yakima, you'll be able to find our product. Uh, we are in Seattle. We're in, you know, we're in Vancouver. We're in a lot of the small towns too. Um, and we intend on, on picking up more and more because, uh, every one of the retailers that's picked up Sundays, you know, every one of the bud tenders, every one of the customers that gives us feedback on Instagram, everybody loves it because it's completely different from every other edible type in that it, you know, it tastes really good and it doesn't taste like a sugar bomb and it's made to be enjoyed and wow. consumed I can't many wait. times. I can't wait to try it. And we're, we're just about at the end of the program. So I want to say again, 
I'm going to let you know when I'm going to come to Washington to visit you because I'd like to see your operation. And definitely, come in August. I may even do that. Yeah. Come yeah. in August. All the, the plants look beautiful in August. I mean, they're they're Everybody. just at the right size. We're starting to see the flip, you know, that flip to flowers already gone on. You're seeing the pistols. Yeah, it's beautiful. And uh, we actually, um, you know, working closely with uh, with hops cultivators out here. And, and we have a, a really good equitable farming community here in, in the Yakima Valley. Um, you know, we, we were able to redesign our grow, make it more functional, make it easier for us to to implement our, you know, our integrated pest management and, you know, kind of make a beautiful farm on top of a productive farm. So I, I think you'll have fun coming out and seeing us. And uh, right. there are and a bunch of other farms in the area. I'd be happy to tour you around, man. Everybody's well, out, here, out here is great. Well, the only other thing I want to do is say to you that I want to be able to come back and talk to you maybe in a few months to see what new things have developed uh, with your product and cultivation and what new would be happening in, in Washington. Um, so on that, I want to thank you for being so very gracious with your time. Um, you know, I, if, if folks could see you, they could really understand that you have a genuine passion for what you're doing. And, and I appreciate that. So thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate your time and, and what you do for the cannabis industry. Thank you so much, Dr. Leroy. It's been a pleasure. This has been Dr. Leroy with Cannabis Enlightened, thanking you for listening to another episode with Doug Henderson. If you'd like to hear more Cannabis Enlightened with Dr. Leroy, be sure to visit us online at CannabisEnlightened.com and subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. Cannabis Enlightened is produced in San Diego, California, and presented by March and Ash at marchandash.com. Olas Media.